Jesus taught his uh, disciples to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be really holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people against you, Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not sin. And that forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins or traditionally forgive us our trespasses as we forgive have trespassed against us. It's the only part that has an additional comment, which is at the end here, is 14 and 15. And so that's important, and we will, we will come to that. Hello. It's thumping, is it? It's thumping. We had it last week. It's my heart. <laughs> Off. Right, here we go. So I've got to manage this and do that. Excuse me if I get in the muddle. I'll try and click this and speak through that. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Okay, here we go. So it's the only, the only part of the prayer with, with a comment. And we will come to that in a little while. You know, when I was at, at college, there was a, a Baptist preacher in North London who, who drew quite a crowd of, of listeners. You know, it was very much a, a preaching centre. But he had one unique characteristic, and it was this. Everything, every time he preached, every point was alliterated. Now, the, the easiest letters to alliterate are P and R, and, and things like that. But I understand that no matter what he was preaching on, three points, good Baptist sermon, three points, every point had to begin with the same letter. And he got into some real contortions. <laughs> <laughs> and even made up his own words at times. And of course, uh, there were a couple of guys from his church at college, and guess what? They did exactly the same thing. Well, now this morning, I've got a pocket full of ours. <laughs> Things don't always alliterate, but it did, this, it did when I looked at this. So we've got a pocket full of ours. And here we go. Here's the first one. Reality. Jesus says, when you pray, say, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive those indebted to us who sin against us. People, this is Reality. You know, when, when you came to Jesus, you were, we were forgiven. That's absolutely true. There was a time, and we've been singing about it this morning, when we realised that we were without God, we were, with, were without hope, 
And between us and Father, there was the barrier of our wrongdoing. Not just the wrong things that we did, but our tendency to do wrong. Even when we wanted to do the right. And we had to come to him and say, that's who we are. We are those who do wrong. We are those who sin. Not a popular word today. And we came and we realized that Jesus, who'd lived the perfect, sinless life, had taken upon himself all our failure, wrongdoing, sin. And he'd carried it away. He'd taken the consequences of what our sin deserved. And if you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I recognize what you've done for me. I recognize that you have, in inside word, saved, come to save. And I accept that. You're forgiven. You were forgiven. You were forgiven sin. You were forgiven the specific thing. Maybe you brought something specific to him at the time. And you're forgiven. Now that's part of the reality. But the other part of the reality is this. That at times, even now... We all fail, we all sin, we all fall short of God's standards. That's the reality. We often say we're a work in progress and so we are. We don't want to, but that's the reality. You sin, you fail, you fall short and do you know so do I. Ordinary people, ordinary followers of Jesus fall short and actually so do church leaders. So do church elders. It happens. We make mistakes. We do things that we regret, all of us. And that's the reality of the situation. You can't say that this prayer isn't real because it is. Do you know, uh, thinking of church leaders, I believe it's right that that God's people have a high standard for leaders, for elders, for whatever. That is right. And we have experienced over recent months and years many leaders falling from those high standards and falling spectacularly for one reason or another. And I was reading just a few days ago that there are those who think we haven't, God hasn't finished yet with doing that sort of thing to expose what is wrong. But on a lesser scale, we all, we all fail. So let's use this as an opportunity to pray for each other in these sort of situations because we will make mistakes 
Nigel, James and I and anybody else who comes on board eventually, we will make mistakes because we're human and we're a work in progress. But the second word then is repentance. What are we saying? We're saying, Father, forgive us our sin as we forgive. So what's happening here? We're ask- because we're asking Father for forgiveness, it implies two things. One, that we're sorry for what we've done. Pretty simple, isn't it? Father, I'm sorry that I lost my temper. I really am. Father, I'm sorry that I didn't say the right thing to that person and I upset them. I really am. Father, I'm sorry that I looked at that piece in the magazine that I shouldn't really have looked at, which didn't honour you. I really am. Father, I'm sorry that I watched the film, which I really shouldn't have done. And so on. Ordinary, everyday things. And we say we're really sorry. And secondly, we don't want to do it again. You know, it's no good us saying, Father, I'm sorry that when I go past the pick and mix counter (laughs) that I cannot resist the temptation of upping the little perspex flap. You haven't done this, have you? There's laughter going. (laughs) And, And there's that little, you know, that little blue chocolate. I'm sorry I do that. Please forgive me. But I think next time I go, I'll do the same. (laughs) That's not repentance, is it? No, seriously, it's not, is it? It's I really don't want to do it again. Now, maybe you go past the pick and mix, you think, "Uh uh-oh, and God says, no, you don't. And you move on. But there are are other things, aren't there, that are harder to deal with. I mean, that's slightly humorous. But Lord, I really don't want to lose my temper again. I really don't want to insult someone when I'm feeling defensive. I really don't want to be selfish and take it all for myself. Now those things are harder to fix. But asking God for, for forgiveness implies this, doesn't it? I'm not only sorry for what I've done, but I really don't want to do it again. And if it's that sort of thing, then Lord, when I'm feeling under pressure, please, please help me to count to ten. You know what I mean? And that's, that's hard. But it's real. So, the whole part of this prayer implies repentance. That 
180 degree turn that says no more I'm going God's way because that's how you came to Jesus in the first place anyway remember on the day of Pentecost Peter said repent turn around do that 180 degree turn and actually what we're doing when we pray this is we're living out that 180 degree turn of repentance So that's the second R. Reality first, repentance second. Thirdly, release. You know, the, the word forgiveness, the basic meaning of the word forgiveness in the Greek is to release or let go. And it's used a lot of times in the New Testament to mean just that, even release from prison or to let your donkey go, or something like that. That's the basic meaning of the word, but it moves from that into forgiveness. So when we, when we are praying for forgiveness, we're asking Father to let go of the debt or the failure of the sin that's against us. We're saying, Lord, please let it go. I'm sorry. Please take it away. Now, there are all sorts of metaphors for forgiveness, but let's just stay, stay with this one, which is here. Saying, let it go. Let it go. God does. Because God chooses to forget. Isn't that incredible? Actually, God rem can remember anything he wants. But he says, I will choose to remember my people's sin no more. I don't know about you, but my memory plays havoc with me sometimes. You think you've forgotten it, and then something happens in your life, and boom, the memory's back. And you wish it didn't come. But it does. But we're not God. Listen to what God says. I'm not going to remember it anymore. And you can, you can go to Father and say, Father, you remember when I did so and so? And he says, when did you do that? I don't remember it. Because he chooses to forget it. He's let it go. He's let it go. So should we, actually. We're beginning to deal with quite complex issues here, I can't, I'm, which I can't go into totally. But he's, he's let it go. And so when we forgive others, we release them from their, their wrongdoing to us. Just as God our failure go shortcoming wrongdoing go so when we forgive others we let their offence against us go because that's what the prayer says forgive us our debts or sin as we forgive those who sin against us 
And when we say to someone, if you, we're not saying, I forgive you, and then a couple of months, a couple of years later, you remember when you did so-and-so? I've never really got over it. No. And some of you are sitting there thinking, hmm, I find that very hard to do. Join the club. It's not easy. But fortunately, no, that's the wrong word, wonderfully, the God who says, or Jesus who says, do gives us the power to do it. The help. The the work of the Holy Spirit to do it. And God says, I've let it go. Whatever you did, you brought it to God. It's gone. It's gone. And that's what we do with, with others. Boy, that's not easy. Which brings us to verses 14 and 15 in a minute. What about those verses? You see, let's put it this way. If we willfully refuse to release others, that is, their wrongdoing against us go, then Father will not, and I put be able to in brackets because in, in a sense God can do anything he wants, but Father will not let go of our offence against him because in us, there is that refusal to let it go. And, and God is saying, well, if you can't, won't, or won't let that go with other people, how come you expect me to do for you what you're not willing to do for others? And I think that's a reality. You remember the parable that Jesus told? about the guy who was forgiven by his an enormous debt. Oh, I've been forgiven. Look at this. I've been let off this amazing debt. And then what did he do? Went and found someone that owed him a pittance and had him thrown in a pit until he paid back. And the result? Well, and the, the first boss was displeased, to say the least. So that I believe this is a reality. If we want to enjoy the freedom that God wants to give us in this area, then we, with God's with the help of the Spirit, let it go. Let it go. It's a reality. In repentance, there's release. Praise God. And then there's reconciliation. You know, this is a family prayer. We pray, Our Father. 
Now, I think we can tend to think about this as a collection of individuals, say all of us in this room, individually, we just happen to be saying it together. But it's, it's more than that. It's our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's a, it's a together prayer. It's a family prayer. It's a call. If I'm forgiven, and you're forgiven by God, and I've released you, you've released me from what's ever's come between us, what's happened? We have cross-shaped reconciliation. I'm reconciled to God. So are you. Vertically, we're all reconciled to Father. Wonderful. And then together we're reconciled to each other. That is what forgiveness, mutual forgiveness, asking forgiveness produces. Wow. That's a thought, isn't it? That if we really got hold of this and practiced it with the help of the Spirit, We'd have a church where if something goes wrong, yeah, it goes wrong. These things happen. Let's be real, folks. They do happen. But if we dealt with them like this, there'd be reconciliation amongst us. Now, these are complex issues, but let's get hold of the principles. Reconciliation. Finally, there is... I th- actually, I thought a few more R's, but I thought you, you'd get R'd up. <laughs> We'd all be R'd up. Well, perhaps some of us are in a different way, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so what's the result? Personally, and together, we're demonstrating what it's like to be kingdom people. How does the prayer begin? Kingdom come. And here we are, getting reconciled to Father, reconciled to each other. That's kingdom. That's living under the rule of King Jesus. That's what it's about. Right. It isn't easy. I'm going to take you back to the Stone Age. Well, some were not born, probably. (laughs) I mean, you have been born, but you know what I mean. Um, I want to go back to Wickford. Aha. I'm going to go back to... Uh, the 1980s. Dear me. How long have you asked people how long they've been going, Nigel? Some of us have been going a long time. <laughs> we have. And we have the advantage of seeing a lot of what God has done. Do you know, uh, when we uh, got into charismatic renewal, there, are, let me put those all up. Uh, let, when we got back into charismatic renewal, um, 
We didn't realise how it was going to affect the church. We, I was, we were in a very sort of staid, really staid Baptist church that they invited me to lead. I don't know why they did. It was the casting vote of the chairman. You, it was. I was. It was the casting vote of the chairman. Had I known that, I'd have refused. But they only told me about eighteen months after we'd been there. <laughs> so, and we got, we began to get into renewal, and we didn't realise how it was going to affect the church. And one of the things that we came across that the church wasn't actually led by a minister and deacons, but that there were plural elders. And so we, we studied the scriptures. We didn't know anything about apostolic input then. That all came later. And we, we got three elders. I've been talking about ours this morning. It was Roy, Ray and Rod. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, would you? <laughs> it was the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. Anyway... Uh, we were, we were the three, we were the three hours and we, we, the church approved and we, we moved into plural leadership. And so there was, uh, Roy who was the oldest. He's with Jesus now. And then there was Ray who was in the middle. He's with Jesus now. And there was me, the young one. And, uh, does that remind you of anything? Never mind. Uh, if you think about it. And, and we, we began to, to go through. Uh, sort of biblical principles we got into prophecy we had tongues interpretation praying for healing it was heady days but you know there's a but coming when you start telling stories like this don't you you can hear it but I guess charismatic renewal in those days was going two two ways on the one hand there was the renewal branch which was, let's revive, revive the denominations. And on the other hand, there was the restoration branch, which was, the denominations are finished, we need to all come out and form new churches. Now, that's very simplistic, but that's the sort of thing that it was. I think I stood somewhere in the middle of that. But bless him, Ray was very much restoration. And I think Roy was very much renewal. And what happened, we had people who really wanted the church to change, began to meet together, people were praying together, and unknown to me, you're naive, aren't you? There was a split beginning to develop unseen and eventually Ray stood down from eldership which was sad still didn't see it coming not really not until a bit afterwards with people meeting together talking together praying together having the heart of the church and yet it was beginning to divide one of the issues was that we still had, oops, let's not revise this, re- revive this name, we still had Sunday school. What child would want to go to school on a Sunday? Now, come on. But we had Sunday school, and we had girls' brigade, and we had boys' brigade. And I guess... The renewal people said, yeah, that's fine. We just need the Holy Spirit to go through it all. 
But others said, these are no longer of God and should be ditched. And so you got the split opening up. And eventually, things got really, really quite nasty, really difficult. And it not only stayed on that level, but there were things said about individuals. There's no need to go into it, really. But it became deeply personal. And eventually, I would say, I don't know, 20, 25% of the church left. One day they were there. One Sunday they were there. The next Sunday they were not. How do you think we felt? There was an older couple in the church who invited me round. They stayed with us. And uh, they said to me, you've got to forgive them. You've got to forgive them. I couldn't. I really couldn't. It was so bad. I walked down Wickford High Street. I remember on occasion walking down Wickford High Street and seeing one of those that had left us coming up the other direction. I dived into a clothes shop, pretending to look at clothes until I'd seen that person walk past. Because your stomach felt awful. It was horrible. Another time, I mean, very similar, walking in an opposite direction, seeing somebody else come. They were brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of the things that were said would not bear repeating. Yet I was being told, you've got to forgive. Now, I have to say to you, I wanted to, but I couldn't. I really couldn't. And that went on probably for 18 months. I didn't want to be like that, but that's how it was. And then, Heather and I were having coffee one evening, and we talked about it, we prayed about it, tried to ignore it, all sorts of things, haven't we, really? It was horrible. It was horrible. And I suddenly knew, after trying dealing, trying to deal with it with God, I could forgive. It just happened. And I was able to pray for them. Not very long afterwards, I was filling up the car with petrol at one of the local filling stations. Car drew in, one of the guys that had left us. My stomach still did a leap. He got out of his car. He came round, because he parked the other side of the pumps, came round. And he put his arms around me and he said, I'm sorry. 
I don't think that would have happened until I had found the power to forgive. And then he came around, one of them came around, and he said, I'm sorry. And actually, there were several occasions after that where I met people and we said sorry. And then I started meeting with Ray, who'd been the elder who'd left us. And our relationship was put back together and we met to pray for the town And, well, it was hard. It's hard. We all fall short. We made mistakes. They made mistakes. It was mutual. It was difficult. There needed to be perhaps repentance on both sides. But once we'd started to forgive... It released something in our lives, probably in the heavenlies as well. There's too much to go into. Let's go into. And reconciliation happened. We, put, we didn't put back history. They, their church fellowship continued. It's still there today. Became part of Pioneer Net, Network under Gerald Coates. But it was put back together. And the kingdom came that little bit more I tell you that because it's so easy to stand here and preach in theory and you think oh how does it affect in real life it does it does I want to uh, last time I I spoke I attempted to sing to you I'm not going to do that today (laughs) (laughs) Don't cheer, Nigel. Oh, sorry. (laughs) But there was a song we used to sing in those days. I looked it up on YouTube, and the version that was there was absolutely appalling. But but, uh, an old song we used to sing, and, and it went like this. I get so excited, Lord, every time I realize I'm forgiven. Oh, it was up-tempo. I can remember us dancing around the church to this, the church building. I'm forgiven. Jesus, Lord, you've done it all. You've paid the price. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And then he goes, hallelujah, Lord. My heart just fills with praise. My feet start dancing and my hands rise up and my lips just bless your name. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, and you do that. One of our guys said, yes, and I'm a gibbon. I'm a gibbon. Because <laughs> it was so, because that's the reality. When you get into forgiveness, there's freedom. And Jesus has done so much. I get so excited, Lord, every time I realise I'm forgiven. Jesus, Lord, you done it all you paid the price I'm forgiven living in your presence Lord is life itself I'm forgiven with the past behind grace for today and hope to come I'm forgiven 
I'm not saying all the old songs are better, but I'm sorry we've lost that one. Because we're forgiven. You're forgiven. And so am I. Thank God. Look, if there's any, anything that anyone needs any help on that, we can, we can always pray. We can. Father, thank you for what Jesus did for each one of us. Thank you that he went to the cross. He paid the price. We're forgiven. Help us, Lord, to live out the principle not only to seek forgiveness, but to forgive. Help us, Lord. It's not easy. We recognize that. But Lord, we ask you to help us to live it out. For your glory.